back to the third place. It's we're in the final four episodes. We we just came off of Super Mario 64, and now we're going to the streets with Street Fighter 3, Third Strike. But before we get into all that, I am I am very happy, very uh overjoyed to welcome back a returning guest all the way back from last year, the uh from episode 10, I believe. Uh, from the Resident Evil 4 episode, it is Stained Haynes. How are you doing, my man? So far, not bad. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's it's wild to think that uh, it is since October, since we did this whole shebang uh, to get last time where we were dealing with the uh, seemingly the internet wanting to uh, missile strike our conversation towards the end. Uh <laughs> But somehow we made it through. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget one person saying that this was like, oh yeah, this is like Twin Peaks The Return as an episode. I'm like, well, you know, I didn't think that would happen, but I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I I swear the technological gods conspired against us. And then right before we were about to go live, my headset spontaneously combusts quietly. And then I'm like, huddled under my blanket with my phone connected to zoom going can you hear me can you hear me? <laughs> yeah like, like a war zone yeah that was that was wild but in the end we i think we turn out a very wonderful episode i still very much love the resident evil 4 episode and i will say i mentioned this before when haynes and i were off air uh, that his prediction of hey the remake of 4 is going to be turn out good it's just rem- it's just 4 again uh, he was right. So uh, Stain Hain gets a gold star uh, after the fact. I, I just hope I was included in the screen cap when it happened. Yeah, just we'll we'll put your we'll put the luchador mask like in the on the back of the box of like RE4 remake. Be like he predicted it. <laughs> Queen's trash certified. Yeah, I mean, hey, I would. Hey, imagine if like the, you know they put it on the back of a box of a game and like just like Queen's Trash Reviews dot uh, com. Uh, gives the give predicted that this would be a hit. <laughs> well, well, I had a I had a blast last time uh, discussing a, a, a game in a franchise that has sort of set the bar for everyone in and out of Resident Evil, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm delighted to discuss another game that has also set the bar within uh capcom and very much outside of capcom yeah it's it's funny how i you know we're, we're, you are the capcom guy at the moment uh you've you've been on two capcom episodes so uh, next time we will uh we'll it either be the the capcom trilogy with you or we'll do something completely <laughs> we'll we'll throw it we'll throw a wrench in the in the the storyline of this show <laughs> you're you're gonna uh you, you're gonna you're gonna throw a sudden plot twist and be like sorry haynes but them's the rule next time yeah. is make yeah. it count yeah we're gonna yeah we're gonna throw a wrench in i'm gonna make you talk about uh what's a uh Bomberman instead <laughs> well atomic Bomberman is a game i'm quite fond of and the first game i ever messed with multiplayer outside of no i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> i do Bomberman though so it's funny you mentioned that yeah it bomberman's 
I haven't played a Bomberman game in a long time, but I like how Bomberman has like been like the one thing that like Konami kept alive while they uh uh forgot how to make video games and just went to patchy slots for like the back half of the la- the 2010s. <laughs> like Bomberman I... for some reason was like the one thing they were just like no, keep him going. Oh, well, I think I think part of it is you see uh the purchasing power of mascots in Japan. Like, oh, yeah. first of all, it is not uncommon to see Spider-Man in commercials shilling toilet paper and cell phones. Okay? <laughs> the same way, like, you know, uh, it is not uncommon to see, like, what the hell is Charles Bronson doing in a Japanese whiskey commercial? You know? Oh, yeah. like, well, what is Arnold Schwarzenegger doing shilling for, like, fizzy fruit drink? What the hell is Agent Cooper doing drinking canned coffee in Japan? Exactly. So, so no, uh, Bomberman is sort of a weird cultural touchstone to the point. It transcends the medium he's from, and now he sells, like, used Mitsubishis on, from, like, a billboard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they 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 said to themselves, "Solid Snake is dead. Uh, we can't market James from Silent Hill 2. They're just like Bomberman it is, I guess. Oh, uh, uh, Contra still scares some people, even oh, yeah, though, like, you know, like, if you really want to get scared, play Metal Slug, okay? Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> all of Konami's, like, they couldn't be like, hmm, we can't put Dracula on anything. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and I, and I would, and I would like to point out, um, that, uh, uh, even, even something like Blades of Steel has a greater chance of being resurrected from the dead than 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 fucking Gradius or Contra. Uh, come on, Japan. I'm certain the little dude you control in Gradius could sell something in your country. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, I don't know. The, the sector of the Japanese population, there's got to be like some sort of fan base for the Gradius guy. <laughs> um, but... Uh, since you are a returning guest, Haynes, uh, you you join the il- the illustrious club of returning guests. So you get a different question than last time, and it simply is: Have you been playing anything since we last discussed back in October? Ooh, yes, I have. So um, apart from Street Fighter Three Third Strike, which is uh, the the topic of today's episode, I've been playing Street Fighter Third Strike online. Mm-hmm. It has done an excellent job kicking my ass and humbling me. Like <laughs> I just do a death match with uh, the Iron Sheik. However, um, I uh, I sort of revisited a couple of fighting games to get the old noggin back to jogging state. Uh, I have a very soft spot in my heart for King of Fighters '98, oh, so I messed yeah. with that for a little while. Um, I messed with uh, Magical Drop 3, just constantly playing survival mode so I could get my reflexes back in working order. Ah, okay. Uh, hey, hey, listen, parry, parries are... When you first try to do a parry in Street Fighter thir- uh, Third Strike, it's like trying to flip a coin into your mouth while having a seizure and calling it mid-seizure. That's what it was like trying to parry after so many years of not touching the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I've been playing... 
a roguelite called Dungeon Crawl Stone Soup, which is probably um, we're approaching Dwarf Fortress levels of autism and zero gravity <laughs> here. But I just love it. It's it's uh, it's basically like an RPG, but everything can kill you twice. <laughs> yeah, my God, you are you have stronger uh, you have a stronger spirit than I have. I don't know if I could take that. <laughs> well, well, well. Um, once upon a time, I used to enjoy playing uh, Disgaea Three. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Listening, while listening to like um, uh, to music, I I I've wanted to check out. Like I would mute the the music volume and then play music, um, like on my computer. And just like grind and level up items and weapons, um, <laughs> might be onto something because, like, I'm sure that sounds insane and mildly autistic, but there was a period of my life when it was like, ah, time to unwind after a long day of yelling at spreadsheets and rocking back and forth <laughs> under my desk at work, while I get white knuckle tight anxiety in in hoping that each next floor of this endless randomly generated dungeon will not be a oh you think you're hot shit hey he, he, here's a, a parody of the power rangers called the prism rangers oh you're level 700 they're level 2000 have fun with that like that's that's what i used to do to unwind so you might mm -hmm. be on this yeah i mean Disgaea, i think you were the first person on the show to actually mention Disgaea, which is pretty cool like I mean, I mean, who can hate Prinny, the, the another Japanese mascot of Disgaea, uh, of RPG lore? And I love how Disgaea. I mean, it's not it's not like a mega franchise by any means, but like if you were to look at the like amount of releases Disgaea has had, like in the I think I think actually this year it's tw it's twenty years for the franchise, and it's just like you see. I don't know, Disgaea 2, Cursed Memories, Disgaea, Afternoon of Darkness, Dis Soul Nomad and the World Eaters, Disgaea 3, Absence, you know, all, all of these complete just like spin-offs and new versions of old games. I'm just like, oh my god. Imagine if being, I just can't imagine being like a new fan, like be like, I just saw Disgaea like 6 for the first time and I'm going to get into the series. It's now like navigating this like I spy book, like trying to find the right one to play. Right. Or, or, and, and hopefully, hopefully they didn't, hopefully their first venture into Disgaea was not the printy exclusive games that came out. Yeah. Because then, first of all, they have like, they could easily have their own spinoff like series. Mm -hmm. um, and I think part of the reason, because, you, you know, you're right. It isn't this mega crazy franchise. However, um, their fan base rivals the Twin Peaks fan base in terms of brand loyalty. And I, and I mean that sincerely. And yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's funny to put it that way. <laughs> I never heard it put it that way. <laughs> but uh but no that's that that's what i've been playing um basically other fighting games to get back into the groove of things um magic and yes i know there have been other magical drop games but i i magical drop three is kind of sort of tattooed along the roof of my skull and playing 
uh, the inside of my skull uh, and and playing the game. I would argue, I, I guess, I guess I sort of get it now when people speak of like, oh, this piece of media is like comfort food to me. Uh, mm-hmm. Magical Drop Three. I could playing survival mode is one of the few things where I could easily lose track of time and fuck my day up just mm-hmm. trying to like beat my old score on survival mode. Uh-huh. It's not similar to Twitter where it's like, oh, let's see what's going on on Twitter. Seven hours later, you're like, I could have <laughs> done something today, dude. What the fuck? Ooh, someone replied, you know? <laughs> I mean, hey, they say that's a magical drop three survival mode for me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as they say, Twitter is a video game, and suddenly it's, you know, like you said, seven hours later, and it's like, what did I do, actually? What did I, I learn? Did I gain Did I gain any true experience? Well, that doesn't matter. I I, I, I got sucked into the void. And, and, like, it's even harder with Twitter than to answer with something like this guy at three, where, like, what do I have to show for all the time I spent here today? Fuck. Well... Time to go back in for another round. Oh man, and 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 real quickly, r- real quickly, because because you had you had invoked the printies. Um, <laughs> uh, I ended up getting strangely attached to the printies when I when I played uh, this guy a three because uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar um, w- uh, with the game and where like uh, you could you could have up to twelve people on the battlefield even though your roster could be bigger than that all right so i used to have like a whole squad of printies that like if i'm going up against enemies like i had never encountered before i figured all right send the printies out first because like if they get killed in one hit we have to adjust or if they start killing the printies at one hit just fucking throw the printies at them they blow up on impact you know And and the, the the more hit points a printy has, the more damage it does when they blow up. So like there ended up becoming this like ragtag like group of printies that just like w- refused to die. And they all had names like um, they all had Italian army names like Private Alphonse, Corporal Giuseppe, uh, Sergeant Luigi, you know, um, mm-hmm. Lieutenant Major uh, Giancarlo. And like they ended up with all the crap gear, like instead of selling it, just give the, the secondary gear to the printies. Then they ended up like leveling up and being actually part of the team. So mm-hmm. like I remember during the like there was like a boss fight in Chapter five and it was like, like, like Sergeant Luigi. I love you more than life itself, but I gotta throw you at this fucking seven-headed beast if I want to keep going. Stop mm-hmm. looking at me with your dead, emotionless eyes. Like, oh, that fucking game. Oh, I, I, uh, so, so yeah, I was very tempted to pick Disgaea up again as a palate <laughs> cleanser from, uh, uh, from, from trying to shake Street Fighter Third Strike Online out of my system. Not quite yet. I'm not that committed, and I'm not that uh, I'm not that much of a glutton for punishment as I used to be. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta like wean yourself and be like, okay, like, am I ready to just sign my life over here for like a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks? You know, you just like, and as you get older, it's like harder and harder to be like, yeah, this JRPG, I'm gonna be like sucked into for, for like the rest of the year. Like it's, 
which you know <laughs> i'm saying to myself as like final fantasy 16 is on the horizon i'm just like oh goodness gracious not this again <laughs> at least at least you have the discipline and the foresight to think to yourself instead of oh boy it's Oh shit! I might have to call out of work for this. <laughs> I mean, with the RE4 remake, I I joked with one of my managers. I was like, you know, I might just call out of work for this, and he's like, you better not. I'm like, uh, <laughs> and I was a I was I was a good little wagey, and I decided not to. But I still it was basically work and then play RE4 remake. So you know, I still got you know the energy to like have seven hour play sessions in me it's just like you know it has to be the right game at the right time and the re4 remake was that for me oh yeah and and it's 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 kind of a beautiful sometimes unexpected delight when you pick up a game and then you kind of have this return to like i remember in middle and high school there were some games where like i couldn't wait to get home fast enough to like get on Battle.net and play Diablo 2 at my shithead friends when I was in like 7th and 8th grade. Mm -hmm. um, like, and I remember the RE4 remake. I'm not gonna lie, like, on the way home, it was like, <laughs> I, I could be running from something right now, like, and, and, and fucking up the quick time event because, like, I'm I'm playing this on my computer and the gamepad I have on my computer does not have the PlayStation buttons. So it's like, keep pressing circle as fast as you can. And then I have to die three times in the quick scene before I figure out what's the translation for circle. Oh, I could be going through that right now instead of waiting for the fucking train. Come on, yeah, come on. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if it means anything to you, the remake does away with a lot of that. But in a, as a flip side, because the remake's philosophy is if we take something out, we replace it with something better. And, uh, mm. you know, you remember like the Krauser quick time event cutscene in that one? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. In, in the remake, they turn that into an actual knife boss fight. Eat. Yeah. And, it, um, it's kind and of I remember. I remember um I remember there were uh what was it? Uh there were even a couple of like walkthroughs that like you know on on YouTube that went out of their way to be like this isn't paint by numbers and you can't just muscle memory it and it was like go fuck yourself I'm totally going to hold muscle memory it and then it's like shit when really was the last time I picked up a knife up oh, dead again <laughs> yeah no i mean re4 remake is uh it's kind of the best game ever made once again and uh for the rest of this season i'm just gonna be uh shilling it uh because everyone needs to play it it's it's that special of a project and it's damn near flawless in my opinion which is a bold thing for me to say i think I, I I must admit, uh, here's a here's a blast from the past. Once upon a time, there was a TV there was a TV channel called G4, and oh, they yep, were yep. all right. And uh, I got interested in RE4 when it first came out, just because of one sketch on Attack of the Show. All right, there was a sketch where like um, they were trying to make a joke about how the writers' room 
ha- like hasn't gotten any work done ever since someone bought their copy of Resident Evil 4 to the workplace, to the office. <laughs> Cut to the writer's room, okay? And there are people standing in a semicircle around the TV just chanting, RE4, RE4. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, and one guy is in a fucking Link outfit. One guy is just in like a dirty wife beater and like pajama bottoms. And like everyone else is in regular clothing. But they're all standing around chanting, RE4, RE4. And I remember going, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to, let's, and if the game sucks, I'm going to blame Attack of the Show. And then I went to bed at like 3.30 in the morning the next day. Just like hunched over the PS2. Like I just... Okay, so, it's Kino. So, 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 uh, all right, I could do. <laughs> and then, and then you started chanting in your bed, RE4, RE4. <laughs> Who told you? <laughs> yeah, listen, it's a spiritual connection we all have when we first play it. <laughs> but no, no, um, have, have, have you been up to no good in the realm of video games? I'm going to throw it back uh, at you. Oh, well, hey, you, you're like the second person on the show who's asked that question. Uh, namely, it's been uh, tidying up on my Doom knowledge, specifically Doom 1, 2, 64, and 3. Wink, wink for the listeners. Wink, wink. Uh, uh, that's totally not a, a teaser for next week. Wink, wink. Uh, yeah, but it's been fun going through the Doom series kind of at, at my leisure. I mean, I've been kind of off and on with Doom the past few months, and I don't know, I, I, one thing I will say that uh, I'll mention, wink wink, next week, uh, is uh, Doom 64 is a severely underrated entry in the franchise. Uh, it's got, like, it's the best atmosphere out of any of, the, of those, like, early Doom games. Like, it's so just dark and foreboding and it's like got these rich colors that like only like the n64 or like going from like you know dos computers to like proper consoles that could like make 3d like it was doom 64 is a severely uh underappreciated entry in the series and uh i've been having a blast going through that recently um but yeah that's that's namely what i've been playing is a bunch of doom kind of honing my skills Uh, i i uh i just want to say something real quickly about doom 64 um i i'm not saying doom 64 is what the makers of doom had in mind when they were making doom but Mm -hmm. i remember for example Playing Castlevania 64, which I'm not like it, it, it has its charm, but it's not like a proper Castlevania game. But I, I, I do remember the graphics and the colors being much more lush and rich as opposed to the drab, like doo doo brown, gray, black <laughs> of like, you know, who knows what's behind the next corner in Dracula's castle, you exactly. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and it, and I remember like doom 64 kind of popped out at you and it seemed more 3d than the 2.5 d on playing intel pentium one 133 megahertz processor Uh, yeah um but uh i i i'm i'm curious 
uh, if you've been putzing around on Doom with the codes, because like one of my favorite things to do in Doom 2 was turning on God mode and no clip and <laughs> running, running through a room hoping one enemy hits another, and then just watching Battle Royales. Yeah, um, I, I haven't done that. I, you know, trying to remain pure in my playthrough. I mean, on one hand, it has led to frustration trying to find, like, the right key card or remembering, like, oh, hey, you have to do this in a certain room to progress and get, like, the proper ending, yada, yada. You know, old school game design old school doom nonsense that like you know only id you know those those games of that era could get away with at the time i I mean dude i i replayed hexen last year and i completely how much backtracking was in that game like is just running across like half the world map to open a door that you picked up a key from Mm -hmm. where you running from and <laughs> oh dude it's it's it, i like my metroidvania 2d not 3d or fps okay mm-hmm. yeah no but, I've, i've i feel you there yeah i mean so that's what i've been playing uh so yeah i think we got our our bases covered in the uh what you playing you know hey ash what you playing uh hey, hey sam what you playing uh, okay. there's one last note I would like to say about Doom before we go on. My only recommendation to you is to, um, uh, at some point, you need to use codes to get to the two hidden levels yeah. in Doom. Two. Um, I, like, you owe it to yourself to play them, uh, if not just to to have a proper like. Listen. For all the talk of Nazis and all this stuff, why not just blow them away in Doom 2? Why mm-hmm. not just have demon do it for you, huh? Exactly. Exactly. That's the solution to all life's problems. <laughs> just get a cyber demon. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I mean, come on. You know, you just get a little cyber demon and fixes all your troubles away. Like and, and, you... and, and in true beautiful format, like I like how the Cyber Demon is not the final boss of Doom, but it is probably the hardest boss of Doom. Yes. Like, he's he's harder than the Arachnatron, or whatever the fuck that thing is called. Like, he, he takes much more damage than that sack of shit on fucking metallic legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that covers our basis in there, so I think that transitions to the first part of tonight, which is... Street Fighter as a broad subject, I think I think it's safe to say that everyone on planet Earth has encountered a Street Fighter, at least a one or two uh, mm-hmm. in their life. Uh, Street Fighter is definitely an omnipresent thing in the culture at large with gaming. I mean, you were saying we you know, we were you know we were talking for like practically two hours off air, and one of the things you said that I really I think encapsulates Street Fighter perfectly is that Street Fighter was not per se the first fighting game, but Street Fighter is the template to which everything else kind of followed suit. Oh, uh, absolutely. Um, Street Fighter Two is the cloth from which all other fighting games are cut from in the same way that 
Doom was not the first first-person shooter, but it was the mold, the template, the roadmap for future first-person shooters. In fact, without Doom, we wouldn't have Half-Life. Without Half-Life, we wouldn't have Counter-Strike. And without Counter-Strike, there would be a glaring void in the coming-of-age story of every young man in the West. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mentioned it briefly when I did the Tekken episode all the way back in September, it's, you know, Street Fighter 2 defined, I think, the arcade experience. It set the it set the framework to which we know every rule, every mechanic, every sort of concept that we understand as fighting games. Like, I mean, Street Fighter 1, I think, you know, it exists. Like, you know, I don't think anyone is going to be, like, dying on the hill of protecting Street Fighter 1's legacy. It exists. It happened. But I, I think, namely, Street Fighter 2 is where everything kind of changed type moment. <laughs> Street Fighter 1 happened. Get yeah. over it. Yeah, it, it, it. all it did is that, at least in my book, is like, oh, yeah, Ryu's in there. Let's move on. Uh... Ryu and Ken are in there, and the Hadouken's in there. Okay, we're moving on. Uh, let's fast forward. Really like, noted. Yeah, Street Street Fighter Two is like, um, what's funny to me is like, like Street Fighter came out of being an unsuccessful attempt to make Final Fight like uh, a a Street Fighter sequel. Yeah. Uh, that's my like one little factoid about like Street Fighter that I love is that. In connection to Final Fight, it is another thing what I brought brought up earlier in the year. But like Street Fighter, in you can even mention this about more modern entries in the, in the franchise, even up to today with the upcoming Street Fighter Six. Is like everyone kind of just looks to Street Fighter to sort of judge what things are going to be like moving forward, or Street Fighter is the kind of uh like first and last sentence of like this period in time in fighting games oh yeah uh, like i mean street fighter 2 broke the damn open in terms of like oh yeah hey street fighter 2 remember that here's 10 different versions of that game oh yeah and we're capcom so we're gonna make 10 new franchises off who god knows what we're gonna make dark stalkers we're gonna make you know, we're gonna turn X Men ch into a franchise with Children of the Atom. We're gonna we're gonna make this bitch 3D and make Street Fighter EX. Yeah, we're gonna make EX. We're gonna make we're gonna do an anime esque like younger versions of our, your favorite characters in the uh, Alpha series. Uh, we're gonna cross. Oh, we're gonna peanut butter and you know Reese's peanut butter uh, cup it and combine Marvel and. Uh, Street Fighter to create Marvel versus you know Capcom. We're gonna uh, like then we're gonna Marvel versus Capcom too. Bless that splendid mess. It's a glorious mess of a game. Uh, oh yeah, no <laughs> Marvel too. It's an immaculate game, but oh boy, is that thing kind of like like broken to all extremes, and that is the joy of it. Uh, like it's just a like. What if every character can just do the most insane shit you've ever known to man? <laughs> what if what if in the hands of a proper player, every character can do a combo that sends you up into the air and you could go do a load of laundry. And then when you got to take it out and put it in the dryer, 
the combo's only halfway done. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, and that and that builds off another thing too is like Street Fighter, uh, and it's you know the many different spinoffs and Capcom things, but Street Fighter specifically like wrote the language as we know of fighting games too. That's like a thing that not many people, unless you're like a diehard FGC uh, person. The F- Street Fighter kind of defined our language when it comes to fighting games. Like even even 3D fighters more or less follow the rules that we know about fighting games and and what Street Fighter Two and many other Street Fighters defined. It's like, oh hey, you know, special moves. We have like all the you know all sorts of different mechanics and uh, strategies and even down to just like simple like character types and uh roles for the roster it's like street and, fighter and i think what's what's important to point out is that you said it not only wrote the language but it also becomes like the measuring stick and where if there is a shoto clone in another fighting game uh the 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 way the moves are set up like guile and e honda's moves have sort of become a staple in like every fighting game franchise of holding a second, holding a direction for a certain amount of time and then going in the opposite direction and hitting a button. Mm-hmm. Every from Virtua Fighter to Tekken to Guru Mark of the Wolves to every SNK fighting game. Like, thank you, Guile and E Honda, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Fucking I love Chun Li uh, uh, introduced. A move that uh, Blanca Chun Li and E Honda introduced the mechanism of jam this button as fast as you can, and that's your special move. I yeah. hope you have a corner, or they're getting up as you're doing this. I could yeah. only hope. Yeah, I hope you uh, sonic boom from the corner, you know, and or you just you know spam the move with uh, uh, Blanca, where you just like electricity everyone because. Right. Another thing too is like Street Fighter. As much as like I think everyone mythologizes like Street Fighter is like, oh yeah, that's like bread and butter. That's everything. It's like Street Fighter has its like silly, goofy. Like this character is broken. Like what did they? What were they thinking? Like uh, I just love and all like every aspect of Street Fighter, even like the lesser entries. There's always something like in that franchise and as a, as a broader talking point like even the community that surrounds street fighter like i always love that like there's there's this it's like a level of extraness is involved oh yeah i mean one of my favorite examples of that well two things like one like the little intricacies built into every character like if you're about to collide with someone in midair and you're going up against chun li there's a good chance she's going to do that toe tap and like hit you twice while going past you, you know, mm-hmm. or um, uh, for like the introduction of Dan. I forget which Street Fighter Alpha game it was. Maybe two. I think I think, I think you're right. It's you're, you're, you're right. In this, it's an it's an alpha game, I think. Mm, so they introduce Dan and Dan's <laughs> mechanics. Basically, he is the worst character in the game. So if you get beat by someone who's really good with Dan, it's like, it's almost like Weird Al parodying someone. Because 90% mm-hmm. of everyone Weird Al is parodied, they're not around anymore. Yeah. So does that mean more about Weird Al or the material he's parodying, right? Mm-hmm. That's 
fighting game version of that is Dan. <laughs> yeah, I, I another staple that Street Fighter kind of establishes the joke character, like someone who on paper should never be picked unless you're like, uh, like you mentioned on our first episode, it's like you know the guy at the arcade who's just like trying to like uh punish the newcomer like it's like i can beat you with the joke character like you know you're you're that awful you are but it is it is the fighting game equivalent of like when dr doom did not want to spend mp or use tech he just pulled out a luger and he'd be like you're beneath me fuck this that's, <laughs> that's picking Dan. yeah it every I mean, it, it, looking back, it's just like, I'm amazed at how Street Fighter kind of just wrote the book of what we understand about not only the mechanics and the visuals and the sort of, in a way, like, maybe like linguistics of fighting games, but like even to down to just like how we understand of like the etiquette, the sort of like, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. Yeah, like the the way players interact with uh, like an arcade game or a fighting game, like, you know, yeah. like I, I think, um, I think about like how people would just like, you know, they would crouch over their, like their, their joystick and their buttons. So you wouldn't see, or uh, if you're a smash player, you don't shower so that you can make people uh, nauseated by your own existence. Um, you know, I, I love how, you know, I think as a baby, as a bare baby uh, a gamer, when it comes to fighting games and part of this series of learning how to love fighting games, you know, Tekken was the first one, Street Fighter is now the second one. Uh, I've been trying to like understand Street Fight, like fighting games as a broader term. And one thing that I have actually kind of come to love about fighting games specifically is. It's the one esport genre that I'm like, this is valid and this actually works because its roots stem from the arcades. It stems from like, re I mean, granted, that's not to say like, you know, watching your favorite Counter Strike team isn't like negated because like, you know, those sort of things go back to Quake land parties, uh, you know, back in the day. But like, you know, the, the concept of like the best Street Fighter players playing in person next to each other as if like there's a phantom arcade board right in front of them there's something magical about that like that it's still like the time-honored tradition is being carried on and street fighter for me like it you know even modern day street fighter it feels like that sort of like spirit and passion is still alive and i i wholly respect that the fighting game crazies uh, keep this sort of spirit alive. <laughs> it, it, they are uh, spiritually invoking an arcade cabinet when they sit down to face one another. Yeah. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I said, this is a hill I'm willing to die on. Like, arcades were the original multiplayer. Yes, people played online, but, it, but computers and the internet were much more niche when arcades were out and about. And mm -hmm. It, it it was just as much RNG as it was human element, and what better uh, set and setting, like for fighting games than that? Yeah, it, fighting games to me, and I guess 
this extends to just like the broader like lost destination that is the arcade like we we've you know and at least in the west we've lost the arcade but like no matter what i will always sort of respect the fighting game because the fighting game will i mean i think the fighting game is like the cockroach it never truly will go away it will survive and endure in new forms or new concepts um and in to an extent i i i i'm glad the fighting games in the modern sense even if we're playing our matches online nowadays like you're still gonna meet someone who back in the day in 1997 uh being one of the or 1999 going to play street fighter 3 third strike and they are there to rock your shit like that, that that spirit is still alive and present and i think for me as ba- you know uh, a baby gamer you know level 1 per, let's put it that way street fighter street fighter is like um, you have what what you what you have to do right now what you're doing right now is like let you've trained like judo your whole life Mm-hmm. And then you're on the shoulder, and it's like, all right, you got to go up against that guy in like Brazilian jiu jitsu. You're not entirely a fish out the water, all right? You're not walking into Street Fighter blind. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, just you've played Tekken. You 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 understand blocking and the magic of throws and shit like that. <laughs> yeah, I know my sidesteps, and I know uh, I know the concept of punishing, low punish, high punish. You know, like. I know that, but like Street Fighter is kind of like a u- its own unique beast where it's like now instead of 3D, I'm reverting back to a caveman being like, oh, I'm only on the two-dimensional plane now. I haven't I haven't gained the ability of like uh like critical thinking like Homo sapiens. And I'm like back to Neanderthal, I only go left or right and up and down. You you're you you're now this ever so eloquently animated sprite stuck on the 2d plane <laughs> i am trapped on the roller coaster ride i can't get out it is it, it's funny you mentioned though like uh, as the cockroach of gaming i think in the future <laughs> all that will be left will just be mobile games and fighting games mm-hmm. it's only until there's like a mobile fighting game like the first person who figures that out will doom us all even though it's going to be like kind of cool for the first few weeks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's include me in the screen cap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like just put put like your little luchador mask like in like some corner of that game and be like he called it again. Like he he's the Nostra- he's the game Stradamus. Uh but like here's the thing like Street Fighter as like I've been <laughs> I guess I'd say like I've been cognizant of Street Fighter right like when 4 was coming out that's like when I finally took notice of it all and I and you know knowing sort of the history of Street Fighter like how which is sad like after Third Strike and EX3 how there was like a period in which there was a like disappearance of the franchise and then like four comes around and four reignites 
the whole shebang and whether or not you are like listeners are a fan of four or not a fan of four i don't think that's the point like even for me when i was like 13 and four was coming back it felt special like street fighters arrival no matter how much you dislike it or hate it like street fighter is like honestly as big as a like cultural cornerstone as per se like i don't know i guess you know to be kind of on topic is like zelda coming around like we only get it every few years that's right and and when it comes back in its newest iteration it's a little bit different it's got a new art style it's got a new story but there's still those sort of uh icon icons you know the iconography that we understand like ryu will still be there ken will still be there shoryukens uh hadoukens putsi gameplay are still gonna be there you know you'll still have your special moves don't worry yeah (laughs) you're gonna have your kiko shows with chun li don't worry don't worry like you don't have to throw the tantrum like (laughs) i will say this though uh even the diehard uh, Street Fighter Third Strike fans who wanted nothing to do with 4, they did spend at least a few hours trying to figure it out, just like kind of holding out hope. And I'm not writing the game entirely off. I don't want to do that, but there are a lot of people who play Third Strike online who look at any other fighting game as beneath their contempt, <laughs> except Guru Mark of the Wolves. Mm-hmm. Like maybe... But yeah, no. I mean uh, that, that's something we'll mention in the Street Fighter Three in the Third Strike thing. But I love how fighting games are another genre where it's like um, try to think, it's like uh, it's like when people when like the whole topic of remasters come and like this remaster, oh yeah, like it's supposed to bring the graphics to HD and now you got surround sound audio, but like they kind of mess it up a little bit. So you're going to still have this dedicated fan base that like will always play the original version and keep that version alive. I mean, hell, I I don't know how much you pay. I've been paying attention to Evo just because, you know, I'm getting into all this proper now. It's like one of the games at Evo this year, and it was like, uh, I guess, like a more fan-based inclusion is a uh, ultimate marvel versus capcom 3 a game from 2011 or 12 i can't remember the exact date but like a dedicated group of fans have kept that game alive through like modded versions on pc and they will not play they didn't play the newest marvel game they just kept this version alive and now it's like coming back to like a proper stage uh, on the bit, and it's like fighting game fans again are the most stubborn and like most resilient cockroaches that will never let a game die. Evo kind of fosters that though, because oh, yeah. among other games, I forget the name of it, but there's a Neo Geo sports game where it's like combat frisbee or some shit like that. Um, mm-hmm. top down game and uh, Evo. I've caught that game on Evo, and I completely forgot that fucking game existed until I saw it again on a random live stream one day. Mm-hmm. Like, Foster's, you know, this one game seven people have heard of, I'm the fucking best there is, and I'm representing Germany. Let's go. And then, yeah. you, you, like you mentioned, one guy hunched over. 
uh, like he's about to start ringing church bells, <laughs> like <laughs> with his controller like next to his belly button, hunched over controller like hid- hidden and tucked away from all prying eye, like some fucking low rent supervillain. <laughs> and, his- and his competition is like this fucking giant Giga Chad super huge tough lord from like America, and he's like, "What's up, my power lift?" And I'm like, "No, I'm the number one in the game." Oh, and he yeah, the, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, you're good. Uh, I kind of with this episode, it's like both Street Fighter, but kind of fighting game community discussion. It's funny you mentioned that. Like e- Evo is kind of the coolest thing ever in terms because it's an open invite; anyone can go. Yeah. So you will get like the pro people who only play this game twenty four seven. They're sponsored. They get brand deals, all this stuff, and then you'll get some like Joe Schmo. And what I love is like. I read into this one year at Evo for Tekken 7, like arguably one of the best players in the world from South Korea was matched in the opening round with a guy who does WWE. And wow. like, uh, he, he, of course, you know, he got swept, you know, as expected, but like his reaction to it all is just like, I just wanted that experience. You know, I'm done. Like, you know, like was, he like understood. It's like, yeah, you just played against the best player in the world in this specific game. He's like, well, I just came here to have that experience. Like, that's all I care about. Like, it was a unique thing. It's like, I got to play the best player in the world. And that's the cool thing about Evo. It's just like a bunch of like all walks of life, crazy people who will never let their game die. I mean, one there's like one fighting game community i think in canada i read where they are keeping a a broken janky as fuck brutal game from japan it was a sailor moon fighting game Mm. Uh, i can't remember the exact name of it but it is like the definition of like broken as shit and every character is overpowered and the rules don't make sense nothing makes sense but this group of like 30 people in Canada are keeping it alive and calling like the salt league or something. I'm pretty sure I have seen characters from that game on salty bet. Uh, I think the name sounds familiar. All right. So long story short, salty bet is uh, the Mugen fighting engine. All right. And where you could take from practically any game, but it's meant for fighting games. Mm -hmm. And into digital cockfights. <laughs> <laughs> and Ultibet uh, is, uh, it's, uh, what it is, is it's 100 matchmaking matches of varying tiers. And then there's a tournament. And then there's an uh, exhibition matches. And that's where people can request matches, like who subscribe to this thing. It's hosted on a Twitch channel. But the main site is saltybet.com. All right. And mm-hmm. uh, I say this because one, um, knowledge and appreciation of fighting games it makes betting fake internet money on fighting game cockfights that much better and fun, you know. And two, uh, it it like like you said, like they're like cockroaches; it won't go away. If not for playing, then just imagine thousands of people at a random given moment just crowding around uh, two characters fighting in Mugen, like. <laughs> And, and it's like the guy taking the odds, like in the running man. It's it's the best. Um, so I'm sure I've seen those Sailor Moon fighting game characters in Salty Bet. I'm sure of it. Um, 
Uh, you see, because not to say that there's a fighting game for everything, but almost everything. Like, yeah, there is. Not even sports is safe from fighting games. Like Jay Max is a football player from World Heroes. There's a baseball dude from Rival Schools. Like, not even <laughs> fighting games, dude. It's great. Oh yeah, the, to do some live on the air reading. Uh, there's a fighting game where you play as a crab called Fight Crab. Uh, there's a classic game called Dive Kick, where it all you do is jump and do, you dive and you kick. That's all you do. Strats too said dive kick. It's it's a pretty fun game. Oh yeah, no. dive kick kung fu man is in fucking salty bet. It's it's what excellent recall, man. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this website. There's a game called Dong Dong Never Die. The Chinese homebrew project uh, took pictures of them doing wacky martial arts moves and digitized them a la Mortal Kombat. Oh, that's. Uh, it- the final boss of that game has a raging demon, complete with the posing with his back to the camera pose. It's <laughs> it's great. Um, see, this is the thing I love about the as I discover more and more franchises or more and more aspects of just like fighting game and to and this kind of loops around to Street Fighter as a as a broader topic is that like. And this comes from just like being at the arcade and forming a group of people who became diehards and, you know, suddenly, oh, hey, here's this newest thing. It's called Red Earth. Oh, who makes a Capcom? Like, what on earth is Red Earth? Like, then like, you know, this, these sectors of like the population at large will proceed to like create their own little niche around something. And like something like Street Fighter is kind of at, at a broader talking point it's kind of like the catalyst for like this diehard dedication to like your 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 love of gaming which you know i guess is connected to the show at large is like street fighter i think created like fanaticism in a sense well i I, a, a part of me is tempted to say that it is more brand loyalty than anything else because as yeah. fancy uh, SNK can get, as bewildering and fantastic Soul Calibur can be, as enchanting and lovely as Tekken is, like Street Fighter Third Strike is still uh, the um, the painting of the Last Supper of fighting games. <laughs> I'll start with um, Street Fighter Two. Now, just you know, to have this on record. The Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition character select screen music has been in my workout playlist longer than I can remember. It is some of the most inspiring shit in the world. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess I'm holding right now. Um, I don't know if you can see this, Haynes, but I have on Genesis a copy of Street Fighter 2 Special Champion Edition. Yeah, uh, I don't. Know if, I don't know if you can see in my video and viewers at home imagining I'm holding a Genesis cartridge and pointing it to a MacBook camera right now. It's, uh, it's rolling at M Bison. I see that. I yeah. see that. Yeah, I just uh, there's something cool about own. I mean, granted, this is like version. I don't know, like. 10 million of like Street Fighter 2 that exists on planet Earth because 
there is a version of Street Fighter 2 that is a smidge bit different, such as like, I remember, I think it's like a fan version or fan project called Rainbow Edition, which, I, if, correct me if I'm wrong, if you know this better than me, but isn't that the one that introduced like making characters extremely overpowered or something? Yes. Uh, and then like, what's cool because Capcom, Capcom, when they're at full power, is like arguably the best force in gaming. They incorporated some of those ideas from Rainbow into like later entries of Street Fighter too. It's like, damn, I love this feedback loop that's happening. Well, again, it it I, I would argue it sort of fosters brand loyalty because ultimately it is Capcom that is responsible for Street Fighter 2. And why not? Because Capcom then ends up pulling off crazy shit like, hey, we're going to throw Mega Man in a fighting game and you're going to like it. And guess what? You do. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I looked this up just now. Um, Rainbow Edition Cap- is a an unaf- it's a hacked version by a Taiwanese hacking group. And then Capcom developed hype Street Fighter 2 hyper fighting uh, due to the popularity of Rainbow Edition. So yeah, uh, like you said, like Street Fighter, Street Fighter is like Twinkies and cockroaches and share. Uh, they will never die in the nuclear holocaust. <laughs> like there will be a copy of one of these things. There, will, these entities will survive into like the post-apocalypse. I just imagine like Fallout characters huddled around like a crappy CRT playing like some one of the 20 different versions of Street Fighter 2. Uh, They're playing the version where they introduce like uh, like DJ, Kami, Feilong, and Hawk, but before they introduce Akuma and the super moves, you know? that That's the Street Fighter 2 version they get, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. It... I I I, ha- I always have to kind of like take a step back with Street Fighter because it's amazing how this franchise like it it is one of those like franchises as a whole that has endured so much. It's endured the peaks. It's endured the highs. It has its own movie. It's a delight. I think I love the Street Fighter Two movie. Uh, to which to which it has its own game version, which is kind of strange. And the fact that Capcom at one point was saying, "Yeah, this is going to be Street Fighter Three potentially," I was like, "Holy shit, you're stupid!" Um, Lest we forget, all right, there is such a thing as Street Fighter Two, the movie, the video game. Yeah, that is it, a real- where it, they they tried to think they thought like, "Oh yeah, what's." Let's capitalize on the Mortal Kombat idea, where it's like digitized actors doing punches and kicks, kicks with exploding life bars. Like this, you know, Capcom. You know, like when you're on the mountain peak, you control, you see, you see your entire like kingdom, but like that can just be swiftly taken away with like one bad decision. Raul Julia is attached to it too. <laughs> I like Raul Julia. Yeah, he's he's he he is M Bison. <laughs> uh, but I, give, yeah, I have I, to give props to, to Raul Julia because towards the end of his life, I, I I think he had cancer. I could be wrong, but I knew he had something terminal. So he just started taking roles that his kids thought were cool. And mm-hmm. both 
friends were like, you should totally do Street Fighter, Dad. And he was like, okay. So it's not like some sort of like shameless cash grab. But like, you know, that those were the choices like towards the end of his life. Yeah. Because he thought his kids thought were like, you know, cool. Yeah. I mean, if I were his kids, I'd be like, yeah, that's the coolest thing you could have done. And I I mean, I don't want to get too on a Raul Julia like tight change, but like he is like a piece of the like thousand piece puzzle that is this franchise. Like and you know, we're only talking about arguably I mean, granted, we could be talking about the biggest and most important one outside of Street Fighter 2 itself. But like there's so many just like fascinating like branches in the Street Fighter family tree. It's like you obviously we all we have like the Street Fighter 2 Pantheon, but we have like the Alpha series, the EX series, the Rival series. We have you know, even the modern ones, we had Street Fighter across Tekken. We had uh trying to think of other ones, like Marvel versus Capcom, obviously. Marvel versus SNK. Marvel, uh, Tetsunoko versus Capcom. Uh, like Street Fighter itself is like the uh, it's like the uh, progenitor of just so much that we understand. Not just the fighting games with brand, like you said, brand loyalty to fighting game community to everything. I mean, it, like I can't. I mean, few other franchises could ever maintain this power. Like the only one I can think of is like Resident Evil, another Capcom franchise. It's like that's the only oh. other one, like outside of like Nintendo. <laughs> uh, well listen nintendo has its own monopoly and kingdom and ecosystem but all roads lead to capcom because even nintendo has to be like hey can we have your two flagship characters or among the, your flagship characters please it's not fighting game <laughs> pretty please even nintendo has to grovel to capcom yeah no, one uh, yeah and, and like like just Hear me out. Hear me out. I don't know if you've ever played Terraria, but the mm-hmm. first thing you do in that game is build a wooden workbench. And from there, you could craft everything from fucking um, uh, things crafted from outer space and things beyond your wild imagination. But you have to start with the wooden bench. All right. So Street Fighter 2 is the wooden bench. All right. And uh, it. In a way, it kind of circles back to uh, like everything, because notice how every Capcom game has like its own eccentricities, its own little touches, backstories. Like there were fucking bios for characters in a game that like didn't need bios, really. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, this uh, and sometimes you would get like little touches of tender love and care. Like not not to jump ahead, but like hear me out. In Street Fighter 3, if you put Makoto versus Makoto, both Makotos bow at the screen, then bow at one another, and then fight. Oh, yeah. I, that That's... The little details really do go the extra mile when it comes to stuff like this. Uh, I'm, like, trying to find... I don't have many Street Fighter games in on my shelf of anti-womanhood, the, re- the retro wall. Uh, one of my... One of, one of my favorite uh, collection because one of the great things about Street Fighter is that Capcom, at least with Street Fighter, a lot of, and like Mega Man gets this treatment, is that Capcom likes to put a lot of their older games in collections. 
so I have the Street Fighter and Alpha Anthology on PS2, which has Street Fighter Alpha, Alpha 2, Alpha 2, Alpha 2 Gold, and Alpha 3, as well as Super Gem Fighter Mini Mix. And I love that I have this. I also have the uh, Street Fighter 30th Anniversary, uh, which has Third Strike on it. Really? Yes, it does, and it it has, I believe, it has Third Strike as one of its like few online games. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> I just does it have Puzzle Fighter? Uh, okay, I'm doing another. I'm doing another live check to make sure. Okay, so 30th anniversary has has Street Fighter One. It uh, has Street Fighter 2, uh, the world, you know, the original championship, Hyper Fighter, the new challengers, the tournament battle, uh, with, and Street Fighter 2 Turbo. It has Alpha 1, 2, and 3, and it has all versions of Street Fighter 3. Let's say, I think you cut out there randomly. Oh, hold on. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I, it just, for whatever reason, didn't pick you up. Oh, uh, well, I uh, all three versions of Street Fighter 3. Like, mildly ludicrous, and no one cares about Second Impact. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that all three are there in one package, and I... I think they, I think they only have, like, six of those games in total are, like can be played online, I think, but I think Third Strike is one of them. Uh, they, okay, so four of them support online. Hyper Fighting, Super Turbo, Alpha 3, and Third Strike. I, I, hmm. Do you have a I, Switch, I, PS4, uh, Xbox, or Windows PC? Um, <laughs> We're doing a live sale on there. PC? Alright, I might have to see you with my fight stick. <laughs> uh but I, I i do own that and it has a lot of just like you know it's like that when like game companies put out those like collector's editions where it's like oh hey we included all this like concept art and promotional material for every one of these games and those ga that one is just jam-packed of them so uh to the listener at home i recommend the 30th anniversary collection because it's like the best way to play all a good chunk of this franchise on modern systems. And it's well, like twenty dollars. A lot a lot, if not all, uh Capcom games have for a while. Like if you ever bought it in like C D format or online, it's like here. Here's a bunch of concept art and extra shit that didn't make the cut or the origins of things and all these sketches and work. It's mm. again like you know, Konami doesn't do that. Konami doesn't show you this is what we thought Guile would look like. <laughs> they, don't, they don't show you stuff like that. True Fire is like, we'll let you see. <laughs> we'll let you see the ugly stages. Right. And sometimes the concept art ends up looking different than the final outcome. Like, as usual, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I gotta have it handed to Capcom is like, for the most part, I'm still waiting for like a Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3 classic collection. Like, that's like, you know, 
if if uh, Capcom were to like announce that tomorrow, I'll be like, "Here's my money. Take it, please. I don't want to pay seventy dollars for a card copy of like Resident Evil One. Uh, please give me." It's like I'm waiting for that, but Capcom, with a lot of their classic franchises prior to 2000. They put them back out on modern on modern systems of the time, and I'm just like, you. I, that's like, I guess to connect it with the broader thing we're talking about, it's like it's a reverence for your history, like where you started, where it all began, and I love how Capcom's like, yeah, we're gonna include the versions of Street Fighter Three no one cares about in this version. Why? Because it's it's important to the story. Of Street Fighter Three as in a broader scope, <clears throat> it, it's almost like why? Because it happened. You can't erase history. Like, come on now. Like, you're telling me you want to play the bare basics uh, Street Fighter Three next? You know, new gen where it like feels kind of weird and not as like refined and perfect as Third Strike. Like, I'm, come I'm, on now. I'm a little curious because I want to go to. Street Fighter Alpha 1 and see if I could pull off Rose's 50-hit combo. Hey, I believe in you. You could do that in Alpha 1. Like, Mm -hmm. this is... um, The craziness didn't start with Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Like, there's... Yeah, Alpha started it. (laughs) Like, like, Alpha counters I kind of miss, but that's a whole different (laughs) bucket of worms. We'll get that in the eventual Alpha series episode coming season five, probably. <laughs> Don't place any bets, listeners. I'm not making promises. To a mental telecast in the future near you. Yeah, well, <laughs> in in a few years, we'll have the Street Fighter Alpha episode, and then we'll talk about Alpha counters. <laughs> but to go off what you were saying, I didn't mean to like cut you off there. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Um, the inclusion of the games no one cares about, at least on the surface, is kind of delightful because Capcom has been doing this for a while. And I don't mean that in like a bad way, but like the, the Capcom arcade collection. It's like, imagine all the people who never played this on the arcade and these games still hold up, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Uh, it's a yeah, like a, another modern Capcom collection is the the fighting. I think it's like the fighting collection, Capcom arcade collection, something of that nature. It includes a bunch of games that have not been put on other systems, like you know, uh, Red Earth is like one of them. Like, which, which by the way, um, Capcom has been sitting on Red Earth and fucking Darkstalkers. If there was ever a time to like reintroduce such gold, come on, Capcom, what are you doing? Uh, you know what's funny about like Darkstarkers that like this is the one time where the for you algorithm sometimes blesses me, and sometimes it feels like it's reading my mind with this show. Is a uh, someone noted it's like oh yeah, like between every game, sometimes the pixel model changes, and it's like every version of Darkstarkers more. Uh, it's, is it Mor- Morgan is the main character? I I want I don't want to like crucify Morgan. myself. Yeah, more yeah. Her sprite is literally the same. It's like you made perfection right there from the start. 
they they just cleaned it up for future versions on on better engines yeah yeah <laughs> like yeah um yeah like come on capcom you could like put some street because you i know street fighter 6 is gonna make a fuckload of money let's make a dark stalkers game like this could like really put you into cap god territory um i one thing that's worried me about capcom is how they've never been able to get final fight like up off the ground again like it once was because yeah. like little little side note Final Fight 2 on Super Nintendo, very good. Final Fight 3 on Super Nintendo, incredible. Mm-hmm. What a side-scrolling beat-em-up game. Just mm-hmm. chef's kiss. Because it ha- it incorporates like some fighting game mechanics, despite being a 2D side-scroller beat-em-up. Like it even gave you a super meter, which for a side-scrolling beat-em-up, I mean, you, you, you kind of need it too, because it's Capcom. <laughs> They're not fucking around. Oh, yeah, when when Capcom is like on their on their shit when it comes to making a game, it's like it's like magic in a bottle. It's like what what like autismo developer that you like captured off the streets of Japan? Like, where did you find him? Where did you like you gave him the money to do whatever he wants? And it's just like there's so like literally i could not count like the amount of times like capcom just was that bitch and like defined not only just defined like a genre like mechanic but just was like here's a wild ass mechanic that this game does like ain't it fun as hell like come like 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 in in the case of uh you see now Parrying didn't start with Street Fighter 3. I would argue the first time a parrying system was ever around was a Samurai Showdown 2. But what do I know? Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, again, they weren't the first game to use parrying. But in Street Fighter 3, it's like, here you go. Here's parrying. Have fun with that. And then you change everything forever. You Yeah, like... And when parrying is not in a Street Fighter game, it feels like, wow, we went back to prehistoric times. So, again, to bring it to like modern day, like seeing Street Fighter 6 have some really juicy looking parry systems, I'm just like, wow, it's amazing. If Street Fighter 3 or 4 should have just been Street Fighter 3 too. Like, would have been, would have been a better game, in my opinion. It would have. It totally. Just like um, how Play Sony should have made the PS2 too. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> I just hope uh, Capcom doesn't send a lightning bolt to you or I out of retaliation for hearing this. I know they've got an algorithm checking every audio thing uploaded ever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they they know they know Kojima's out there and he'll never jump on Capcom. He's forging his own shit. <laughs> Yeah, I hope that the, the 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 thunderstorms nearby where where I live are not going to disrupt this podcast tonight. Because oh boy, I hope it's not like uh, a Blanca thunder like electric move that comes out of the sky and like uh, strikes me down for uh, like mildly criticizing Capcom. It's like during this, but it's just like it's not because I hate Capcom. It's like I know where you were at your peak 
when you were pumping out Kino, like return, you know, remember who you are, Simba. Don't don't remind them of the highlight reel of gold they once were in living form. Exactly, but I think um, I I feel like we have we've covered our bases here. Unless you have a final word on this first half, I think we can go straight into third strike. Mm. I would I would I would like to to thank Capcom for all the great years and memories. I they, they're still allowed. Uh, whenever they want to show up for the holiday party, at <laughs> yeah. But they if can... they can come to the holiday party, if a Darkstalkers like reboot isn't like in their hand, you know, they come they come to a, a Stain Haynes live performance, be like, "Hey, buddy, we heard what you said, and you know what? You're gonna be the director for Darkstalkers Four. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Listen, we heard what you said, and you know what? You're right. So let's do it, buddy, together." There's going to be this like small Japanese guy with a translator and he's just going to be like talking to the translator. The translator will be like, remember that uh, Infinity Gauntlet fighting game and you had to fight Dr. Doom before you fought Thanos? You're not going to be Thanos. You'll be Dr. Doom, okay? He just wants to let you know he likes your mask. (laughs) You are going to be him. (laughs) Deal. Like bowing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. But, <laughs> but I think what better way or what better time to finally transition to tonight, which is Street Fighter 3 Third Strike. Fight, choose one. The best of the best will be the champion. Who 
whose world is this after all? Capcom moving with lockdown forever, y'all. This contains scenes with violence and death. Viewers on discretion, some ain't ready yet. For the fact that they ain't ready, step up for what you got. For the fighters who ain't ready, take your regular spot. So what? Calm down before it's too late to stop. Trying to front like you was kings of the block. Step too close, kid, you might get shot. Only one master is going straight to the top. One cross move, your whole game gets flop. Only one master is going straight to the top. You know what I'm thinking about. Talk to me. Beats the beats the beats beats. Beats in my head. I. What a good track. The whole thing, really. That might be the the. Uh, I might. I want to put that in this episode. It's somehow, some way. I know you requested the Alex theme, but. <laughs> I gotta figure out a way to put beat you know beats in my head uh in this episode because it's my favorite song of this game outside the intro and like uh what is it uh uh Q's theme uh Gil's theme uh China Vox I'm uh, I'm, uh, I'm Ch- Chun Li's music uh is just uh a gem, which you know, a lot, a lot of the Street Fighter Three uh, Third Strike soundtrack is on my workout list, or sometimes just on my shit to have in the background while I do prep work in the kitchen because I don't want to have a screen on, so I'll just play audio, mm-hmm. and it's and it's great. Yeah, Chun Li, any Chun Li theme across the franchise like sparks something in my soul that I would say equates to joy. But China, China Vox from Third Strike is like, oh, like I I never knew that I could role play as a as a Chinese uh, woman with thighs that when they rub together harmonize. Which things considered, this is the Japanese portraying a Chinese woman with uh uh. Mythical thighs, which, like, in spite of Japan-Chinese relationships during the 20th century and before, like, clearly not an issue here. No, that's not an issue here. And the Chinese have Jackie Chan dress up as her in one of his movies. <laughs> so obviously, relations and Chun Li is the greatest diplomat that we've ever known. <laughs> you see the the cultural exchange. Uh, that eases humanity has been bought to you by Capcom. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I think let's get into Street Fighter 3 Third Strike. So, Street Fighter 3 Third Strike, it is the third entry in the sort of Street Fighter 3 trilogy. Uh, it was the final, obviously, the final version of Street Fighter 3. It came out in arcades. 
Uh, I like how when I look at the uh, release date for North America, it just says 1999, nothing else. Yeah. Uh, it just, you know, it happened. Uh, but I, I guess if to give a proper date, it first came out in Japan in May 12, 1999. Uh, it uh, was the one of the first games to debut on Capcom's then brand new arcade board, the CPS3. Which yes. I looked was actually kind of underutilized for Capcom. Only six games used it, three of them being Street Fighter 3. The first one was, as we said earlier, Red Earth. The other one was a JoJo Bizarre Adventure. Two, and the other two were two JoJo games. Uh, which is, uh, I, I'm surprised considering how gorgeous the CPS3 looks even today. Like, my god, what wasted potential. I know that it was expensive, but man, the CPS3 system was, I still think, ahead of its time in terms of how gorgeous it looks and all that. But yeah, Street well, Fighter. Th- oh, sorry. About the fucking CPS3 engine. This is a big deal because even future games like the like the King of Fighters series, uh, Guilty Gear, Blaze Blue, all that shit. Um, it sort of took um, direction from the, the CPS3 engine because like, first of all, it was like, 700 to 1,200 individually drawn frames of animation for each fucking character in, in Street Fighter 3. That's ridiculous, even by today's standards. Um, and uh, the CPS 3 ran on 60 uh, frames per second. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, it was. It's kind of like watching special effects in Terminator 2. Not all of them hold up, but the ones that do, it's like, wow, they got it right the first time before 9-11 happened. How did they do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, Street Fighter, Third Strike in specific, because Third Strike is kind of like, in many ways, it is the best entry in the entire franchise. I think you can speak to this. I think it is too remains to be seen what six provides us here on june 2nd but i would still say third strike will remain the king of the franchise but you get sorry just to set precedent though because it's street fighter 3 third strike now just to explain how we got here because it's important because this is relative to like this happened (laughs) the capcom story (laughs) all right yeah that's why it's in the disc so Street Fighter 3 comes out in 1997, and it includes mechanics from earlier Capcom games. So, like, from Darkstalkers, you could uh, dash forward and dash back. Um, Mm -hmm. X-Men Children of the Atom, Quick Stands, and Super Jumps. And uh, from Street Fighter 2 Turbo, you had Super Moves. So you combine all this. Oh, and but in in Street Fighter 3, Super Moves uh, were stackable. That was the first time that ever happened. All right. Mm-hmm. So you could also cancel a special move into a super courtesy of Street Fighter EX3. Mm-hmm. Right. So now we're, we're kind of dealing with uh, the complete deluxe package because on top of this, we have parrying, which is a whole different game changing. Like you mentioned, playing a game without parrying, this is like BCAD, right? Yeah. 
So parrying is just, just we'll get to that. Okay? <laughs> uh, among the, like, well, so like back to the sprites, these beautiful, fancy sprite works. All right. So there were multiple hit stun sprites and uh, they even factored in uh, your opponent getting turned around from attacks, which never happened until then. Mm-hmm. Right? 3D, but now this is 2D. Like, it's easy to lose sight of how Street Fighter 3 kind of sort of went. This is how things are now. Like, the end. <laughs> so, uh, granted, <clears throat> only certain attacks can put characters in a turned around state. Like, best example is uh, Alex with the boomerang chop and then the sleeper hold instead of the headbutt. Um, but uh, the game is uh other than ryu and ken it's a bunch of new people like uh alex freaks Freaks, as they were called back in the day yes (laughs) oro the freakest of them all uh no i'm kidding it's actually it's actually necro uh (laughs) well yeah necro oro or 12 like pick your poison ibuki sean yoon and yang then later in 1997 uh, second impact happens and it brings back bonus rounds which we have not seen since street fighter uh super street fighter 2 right and uh we also get character specific final opponents who exchange dialogue and then you fight if you meet certain requirements like in time with score you face akuma instead of your rival and depending how you did you might fight shin akuma who mm-hmm. probably and it's kind of like um, <clears throat> to, to, to practice for this. I went back to King of Fighters 98 because if you do well enough, you end up fighting evil Iori or evil Leona. Like if you're just wiping the floor with everyone you're going up against, the game is like, all right, have fun with this. So uh, you have to deal. That was my practice to beat Shinakum. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it introduced uh, Urian, Hugo, and Akuma but he was computer-controlled until, as we see, the third strike. Also, second impact is when Yun and Yang finally got different character slots and movesets. And then we come to the, the, the gem of this crown of perfection. And third strike brings us Chun-Li, Makoto, Q, Remy, and Twelve. So just to get this out the way... Uh, all returning characters had different voice actors. Q was voiced by none other than uh, what's this gentleman's name? Hold on. Len Carlson. Carlson, all right, who has a prolific career ranging from Professor Coldheart and Strato Nefarious from Care Bears, various characters from X Men the Animated Series, the busy world of Richard Scarry, and even the Green Goblin in Spider Man the Original Series. He voices Q. <laughs> this <laughs> human machine thing. Yeah, like where Q Q for anyone who hasn't played, like Q, all Q does is <laughs> like that. yeah, he just makes grunts and it's just like, oh, that's funny. You made this like you know, very prestigious voice actor just like make the equivalent of an engine revving sound. Like <laughs> which I mean it totally reinforces Q's whole deal like and and that plays into sort of a the thing about what and this this kind of goes broadly for 
Street Fighter 3, all three versions, but what makes it stand out, you know, put yourselves in the shoes in 1997 when the first, you know, when new generation came out and this game has only two of your classic characters from Street Fighter 2. You only get Ken and you only get Ken and Ryu and it's like, well, only uh it's like you have a bunch of freaks, as people called it, because it's like all these weird characters no one's heard about, no one understands. Which, 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 when contrasted with Street Fighter Two characters, did look kind of abnormal. Like oh, for what? It's- yeah. Like, um, well, for one, also, like, imagine being someone back in 1997 and like Alex, this like wrestling street fighter from uh, new york i think he's from new york like he's supposed to be the new sort of uh main character and you're like what is going on because a thing about um street fighter 3 is that original it was made the original version was made basically by a bunch of newcomers who were they had a lot of good ideas but they really didn't know how to put it together into a fighting game and they were under the pretense of they thought that like oh hey this is this game is called new generation and then capcom is like how about we slap that little thing called street fighter 3 you you're the successor to street fighter 2 and it's just like well that's interesting like <laughs> like to so like you have to realize it's like oh hey like who is this alex guy like that I'm playing as like who is this motherfucker who's portrayed as the main character it's like I want to play Ryu and Ken like I want my classic characters that I understand and know you can't give me something new dad you can't make me play these freaks but however however, let the record state that canonly Alex is the the winner of the Street Fighter tournament uh, as per his ending he defeats Gil, and then I believe he challenges Ra- like Ryu, and Ryu beats him. Yeah, and he's just like hone your skills, <laughs> uh, which, which you know, for what it's worth, uh, like there is a tiered character like system in Street Fighter Third Strike. Mm-hmm. How, like, in the hands of an expert, like you could get double perfected by someone playing twelve. Like it, it, it's it's happened to me. So, um, uh. While there kind of sort of isn't a set in stone character tier system, like Alex is a top tier character. Like it's just just grievous overhead attacks that you can't block while like you know crouching. Uh, he has unblockable and unparryable throws, like like most throws, but some of them are just you can't get out of the way. Like when he says you can't escape, you you, you can't. It's, it's just <laughs> what he says he's going to do. <laughs> but yeah like there is a tier list but as as again i will reference dearly beloved former guest of the show friend of the pod fog rain as he said to me yesterday and this is we're recording this on tuesday may 6th may 16th uh he said it's like there are there are defined tier lists in this game but the street the magic of third strike is that if you know your character and you build your character around their moveset, you can beat, you can break through the tier list logic. 
like no one i mean maybe not remy i think remy is like kind of viewed as like the weird like the unfortunate like uh character in the roster which is sad because i like Ken- i like remy's design and whole look uh if, and if you knew how to play guile he was pretty good actually like yeah, no, he's he's Street Fighter Three's Guile, basically. Which you know, but the point being is like you could pick any one of these characters, and if you sat down and learned the mechanics, you could come to appreciate what makes this this whole game work. You know, it's no bells and whistles, it's no gimmicks, it's Street Fighter. Like it's never been before. It's never looked this good. It's never sounded this good. And it's you know, man, I just like I think about like I mean, uh, I guess this is a question for you, Haynes. Who is your favorite character of Third Strike? All right. Well, my best character is Alex, but my favorite character is Necro. Oh no, it's a tie between Necro and Hugo, actually. Mm-hmm. But like, like for for like third strike multiplayer, like when I have to deal with the fetid online world of fighting games, I like to pick Necro. Yeah, fair, fair enough. I mean, for me personally, I will always stand by Elena. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, if she represents like that period where it's like the 90s multi- multiculturalism where everything is just like, oh yeah, she's from Africa and she's like in a skimpy outfit and she's got like kind of weird long you know, like model limbs and she's doing she's from Africa but she's doesn't doing capoeira moves, like doesn't make sense. Like <laughs> and her entire goal is just to make new friends. So she enters a contest to beat people up to make her friends. I don't know. That is just hilarious and kind of cute at the same time. And and top it all off, to top it all off, one of the specials you could pick for her is fucking healing. Like, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> the, the, the cherry on this Sunday of a character of this little gem of life before 9-11. <laughs> like it's you, you you can't do that today Good no luck. yeah no i mean they 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 brought her back in one of the street fighter 4 versions and now granted i think the street fighter 4 engine does not do her justice uh but i what i love um yeah like she has like my favorite song in the game beats in my head which is like literally burnt like it, it beats in my head has like a burned itself into my like deep memory so i will literally just like in my day i'll just think beats beats the beats the beats beats in my head i'll just think about that like you know what you are blessed with having a song you like stuck in your head not everyone gets that like but uh, (laughs) and here's you know i this is a thing I love about fighting games when you know when when fighting games properly like give character because I, I mean Street Fighter is not like Tekken where it is this long stri- long dramatic over the top soap opera s story where the stakes get higher and higher and the characters evolve and change through the years. Street Fighter is kind of all over the place, and you know Street Fighter can't like. As of right now, I believe Street Fighter 3 is the latest entry in the timeline, and they can never go past it. But, like, 
what I love when Street Fighter does it right and they give good character to the roster members. I don't know, like there's something kind of beautiful, like when they like list the characters' likes and dislikes. I love like for Elena, it's like she loves music, she likes dancing, she likes making friends, and she dislikes damage to the environment. They like, even go as to include like blood type, like and always centimeters in height, right? Yes, uh, because, and uh, it's um, sometimes a quote. Like it's it's uh, again the 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 attention to detail and the tender love and care, because sometimes it'll be like likes popsicles. It's like, hmm, I didn't see you for a well. I guess they don't have an Italian ice kind of guy there, like Hugo. Like, like- yeah. Hugo. Oh, and by the way, I love how Hugo and Alex. I love you know. This is another thing about fighting games that goes unappreciated is pre-match intros. Yes. Like that, the, people don't know that that actually that adds to characters. Like this is something like Tekken Eight is bringing back like special character intros. Like if that character, two characters have like a past with each other. Like, uh, like in Tekken Eight, they're showing like, oh yeah, Walrang and Jin have a special intro because they're rivals. Like, I love that they're doing that. But Street Fighter Three in Third Strike they have this for the characters and one of my favorites is alex and hugo where they're like recreating a wwe moment (laughs) yeah yeah one of the i don't know if it was wrestlemania three or four but they recreate uh hulk hogan and uh andre the giant like uh, in the center of the ring uh just grilling one another before them like the bell rung and just like and you see Japan has a very unique way of taking American pop culture and throwing it back at us uh, through this filter that sometimes makes it a zillion times better. And no, I'm not like a fucking uh, Japanophile or no, uh, but the point is no one better than than them to take like um, even Final Fight for God's sakes, right? Uh, Abigail is a reference to fucking uh, King Diamond of Merciful Fate. Mm-hmm. Like they the most ridiculous shit. So, pick picking a moment, not just like how do I put it, like a particular moment in like wrestling, right? Uh, not everyone would get that, but they're kind of banking on you're playing this game. You've probably watched the pro wrestling match. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> And it's in their this is you know like Japan when they reference they reference purely out of because they love the thing they are referencing and it's like to go kind of right back to Q because again Q is like the coolest character visually and listen he rocks my ass like every time when listen, I do what? when I do trigger him like I love that he's based off like a tonkatsu show uh, his whole design. Uh, which, by the way, his design is based off a character who also is a single uh, alphabet letter K. Yeah. So, so, <clears throat> so the 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 ladies and jerks in 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 Radio Land listening to this. All right. For anyone who has ever seen Giant Robo Day of the Dead, it's an anime. All right. And one of the characters in the beginning of this shame. Like, all right. Her name's Wendy. And she shows up in the movie disguised exactly like Q. Same hat, 
trench coat, gloves, and even the same riveted metal mask. And there has to be some connection, but I don't know what. But the fact, you know, I love that there is this like thread of just like things pull from Street Fighter 3 Third Strike, but things kind of feed back into it. Like, um, I mean, I try to, th- I, I'm like, to go off cue, I like how Street Fighter, even in its later entries in the series, continued to do the single letter, um, like, mysterious uh, character who has, like, uh, a backstory that we don't know, but seems to be a larger player in the thing. Uh, like, in Street Fighter V, they had a DLC character named G, who just is, like, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> I, they, they, they got it right the first time with Q. And the only hint they give you is his in his ending. It's like some government agent. It's like ah, uh, he's fucking at it again. <laughs> like yeah, world <laughs> event. They're ruining shit. <laughs> That's his ending. We know even less. Like that doesn't give us answers. That gives us questions. Yeah, and maybe, and maybe his name is just question. <laughs> but I mean, there's so much like to Street Fighter Three, not just like in the game. It's cool, like mechanically, like the. Pe- the parry system, I think, is still like the coolest thing ever because it's purely player input, and it's not like a forgiving system. It requires mechanical, like just knowing how to like you read your you you know your timing well and you know your inputs well, and you have to master it to understand it. Like it's not going to sugarcoat it. If you miss one parry, you're going to get fucking clocked in the face. And I guess to kind of in. Another thing about Street Fighter uh, Third Strike, I love outside of the game is like the culture around it is like the coolest thing too. Where even though it had a slow start at the beginning in terms of popularity, I mean, at the start, the you know new new generation was an unmitigated flop for Capcom. Like they only sold a thousand machines, which was like a disaster for them. But what I love is that the cult, the you know, people started to understand, like, oh yeah, this game is actually kind of amazing. It's well thought out. There's so much in it, and it birthed like honestly one of the greatest gaming moments of all time in Moment Thirty Seven. <laughs> like <laughs> Moment Thirty Seven, which let me let me let me paint a picture of what this is. So let's go back to two thousand and four. You have the best player from Japan, Daigo Umahara. Versus the best U.S., arguably the best U.S. player, uh, Justin Wong, and Justin Wong has Daigo down to a literal pixel of health, and so Justin uh, engages one of Chun Li's supers, which is a 15-hit combo, and so you you know the parry system, you can parry all that, but it is 15 consecutive parries that have to be executed in pit, pinpoint precision. If you miss one, Daigo is dead. And you have to do a jump in the parry as well. It's not just like parrying 15 ground floor hits. There's a jump involved. Like you it is arguably one of the hardest things you will ever have to like ever in the history of gaming. And Daigo parries all 15 hits and then he reverses with his own super and wins the match. It's like you can't write anything better. 
the the and the crowd goes wild is an understatement. They like, lose their fucking mind. <laughs> and mind you, like this this moment it was recorded basically on like your standard digital recorder of the time. So you just see like these two guys huddled around a big CRT TV. <laughs> and my, one of my favorite details of that moment is Justin Wong spamming on his controller trying to throw Daigo off. And and it's all it's all futile because Daigo is the beast, and literally you can't you can't make him shake, you can't make him flinch. Basically, what what makes what makes that to watch footage of uh, the old Evos recorded on like primitive, simple digital cameras is that like from certain angles they the the, the crowd. And sometimes the players just look like one step above a silhouette, and this mm-hmm. like blowing CRTV. <laughs> everyone is like being quiet around. Yeah, it it, it it speaks to the like inherent beauty of fighting games. Is like that. Well, again, as we said earlier in the episode, we'll never die. Like even if we are fight fighting each other online from you know california to new york city like that energy like travels through the internet connection like oh. you're still oh. back you're still next to each other huddled around a small little small little screen trying to play mind games with each other I, I, you know um the the fighting game community is what allows it to have cockroach mode activated <laughs> <laughs> you see um Moment 37, all right? Uh, Daigo versus Justin. And what happens is, uh, just like you said, um, it was uh, a pixel of health. Like, in fact, like when you, there is a point in like fighting games where like you literally have zero health, like whatever color it's supposed to be, like green, then yellow, then red. Like there's nothing. You have one pixel of health left. Mm -hmm. And, uh, See, this is what makes like what he did so freakazoid bazoinkers. Okay, in fighting games, for those who are unfamiliar, like in some fighting games, you have to hold a button to block, like in a uh, Soul Calibur, but in for the most or, or like a uh, Tekken, sometimes no, 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 not <laughs> Virtua Fighter. My bad. Um, so blocking is you have to walk into the. Um, you have to back up to the level of where you're being attacked, whether if it's like standing or crouching, right? Um, and you take a little bit of damage, it's like chip damage because you're blocking the attack. What makes parrying ridiculous is you have to perfectly time pressing the joystick or D-pad forward right as the attack is connecting to you. Yeah, you have to be pixel perfect. And it does zero damage. And like a lot of things in the game, you gain super from it. Uh, so, um, which is one of the reasons why, I mean, he had he had meter prior to this, but parrying all 15 hits of Chun-Li super gave him enough like meter to like, okay, like we've got this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. N- so, uh, not to like connect this moment in specific to the episode at large, but um I realized this last night. This episode is episode 37. Hey! Unintentional. I did not th- I did not plan it to be. It's just like, wow, sometimes 
the sometimes the topic at large bleeds into just the story itself. That I found that really funny. But yeah, like um the parry system, like this is my view on any parry system, and it's not even just for third strike. A parry system in any game is like, okay, wow, I got seconds for my like my beautifully designed combat system. It could be, you know, like a shooting game or a fighting game or just an action game, if there's a parry in there, you automatically, in my mind, get like one more point on the video game rating scale. A parry a parry system is like literally like the most rewarding thing because it challenges you on understanding the bear, like the, it, it's like taking a slightly, like it's putting, it's like going into the pool and you like look underneath, like what is underneath the water. A parry system makes you think about, okay, I got to time my parry to the perfect moment when I can just, when that attack hits, I hit the parry and suddenly I'm protected. It's turning defense into offense. And I love parries and Street Fighter 3 Third Strike might have the best parry system in any fighting game, bar none. Like, I don't, I can't think of anything better. I don't know if you, I don't know, Haynes, if you have a better example well, well uh, I don't <laughs> because I don't. So uh, it, uh, I, I tried to come up with something resembling notes because I imagine not everyone listening to this has ever either played a fighting game for the first part yes. or has ever touched a Capcom game, let alone a Street Fighter game. And in the very center of this blast radius, a Street Fighter 3 Third Strike <laughs> experience. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Parrying is, like you mentioned, probably the greatest example of high risk, high reward mm-hmm. of like a mechanism, uh, which is sort of like, hey, you want to briefly gamble with your life and just like, like be one step ahead of your opponent because <laughs> you can. Yes, and that's parrying. So, <clears throat> uh, it's similar to blocking, but if you'll allow me, I'd like to explain like. Why would you parry? All right. So, if I may, mm-hmm. uh, the floor is yours. All right. There are two kinds of parryings there's parrying for defensive purposes and parrying for offensive purposes. Now, the former is pretty simple, but there are reasons for it other than not wanting to take damage. All right. And to, or like to run the clock. Parrying to open up your enemy to you using your super on them can be done, but that is probably uh, the riskiest thing you can do in any video game. Because if you're going up against a human opponent, they're not like AI set to maximum. So they only run under certain parameters, right? Mm -hmm. You can't, you have to like read your opponent. This is some wild, crazy shit and spoilers. There are people who could do that. Very easy. <laughs> In fact, someone's doing it right now while you listen to this. Okay. <laughs> so, I, uh, with offense, creative parrying. All right. And no, there's no official term. I just have no idea how to explain it to the listener. The right? rule book is being written right now, actually. So, uh, th- that kind is like, uh, it, it's not just for defensive purposes. Like, you can even goad your enemy into. All right, I just wanted to remind everyone it's a two-way street. So um, 
parrying to prevent damage. All right. Let's say someone playing Ryu uses a, a Hadouken from the opposite side of the screen and you're playing Hugo. All right. Now, you can parry and take no damage. All right. But it would be the best move for you because, like, if you block, you'll lose a little bit of health. If you jump vertically, as most people realize when they fight a Shoto clone, this is not a good move. <laughs> also, if you if you block, you're going to get pushed back, especially if Ryu is approaching you. This is not a good look. Okay, so um, parrying essentially negates his effort to try to capitalize on you moving on his action. Right now. Um, some people, not just in Street Fighter Third Strike, but in other fighting games, can get good enough at parrying where they could just do a certain amount of damage on you and run the clock. You're just upstream, trying, and and, and that like like in uh, Justin Wong to circle back to Evo Thirty Seven, there comes a point where he's just button mashing, right? Yeah, because he, he's throwing off the timing, right. Right. So you could you could attempt that but with parry and that's some wild bullshit, okay? So um the inability to counterattack is a key feature of like parrying for defense, right? Because ultimately it is an entirely defensive ordeal with the single goal of taking zero damage. Mm -hmm. Like like as we see with uh, uh with Daigo, um a super move no, thank you. You could do that. All right. You have to be built different, but you can do that. And and in Mr. Umehara's case, he is built different. All right. <laughs> and and we're and we're gonna get to that. All right. Because this general thank you for putting me on to him writing um the 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 will to win. Um the will to keep winning, excuse me. Excellent book. Uh no joke. It's 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 actually rather inspiring, like Dan Severn's book, inspiring. Dare I say? So, uh, the second kind of parrying is for offense. All right. So, everyone, put on your autism helmets. <laughs> In contrast, for the offensive, a counterattack is only an available option, but is the objective of this of this decision to parry. All right. For example, say you're playing Ibuki with the intention of parrying. And you're going to jump in on a Dudley player who always retaliates with a standing hard punch. All right. So your intention is to parry a predictable counterattack from the opponent. All right. And a player, of course, is not always predictable. All right. Now, you playing Ibuki, if you're successful at the parry, not only do you prevent all damage that would have been afflicted, but most importantly, sets up an offensive position for you to, to jump in and follow through with a combo, a strong attack, a throw, a super, or a combo into a special move and you cancel it and then you do a super move. You could do all that after a parry. Mm -hmm. Okay. And let's say you're still playing Ibuki. All right. If you had simply wanted to prevent damage and you know the Dudley player always defends in this particular manner, the best way to take no damage is to not attack in a fashion that is vulnerable to defense. The key idea here 
uh, idea, excuse me here, is that like you're baiting your opponent into acting against their best interest for you to create an opening, take no damage and capitalize. So um, that is a very daunting, it's not impossible, but that is a very daunting thing to practice. Mm -hmm. um, there, in, in fact, to practice for reaction time, to try to uh, not look like a complete bumbling idiot in Street Fighter Third Strike Online, was to practice my reflexes by playing Magical Drop Three in survival mode. <laughs> because eventually the rows keep coming down so fast, and you know I'm playing with the uh, with the joystick, so I'm like double tapping left or like forward tapping right on the uh, on the stick or like trying to go as many times as possible like i have to forward tap seven times carrying this little you know what i mean mm -hmm. so uh even that all right and, and there's no substitute for getting your ass kicked in a fighting game and getting better incrementally all right there's no substitute for that but even then you need all the help you could get so this parrying system uh not to be a fucking snide or anything is not the only mechanism in this game that is one of a number of variables in every fight you ever get into when you're going up against a human being. <laughs> okay? Mm -hmm. Parrying is sort of like what separates professionals from like old learned wise men who come from their caves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it... it, it... It is the definition of like, because this is the, a thing about fighting games is like, yes, they are very obtuse to get into, especially if you've never played one. I can speak from experience, but when you put the hours in, it is like the, the great treasures of the Forbidden Kingdom have now suddenly opened to you. you it, it, fighting games at their core are like the most rewarding mechanical experiences you can ever be bestowed upon and third strike is like the glistening jewel at the top of the treasure pile you know all the mechanics while simple on paper require you know the skill that hours the balls to do like it is offensive and defensive you know systems coming together and they're just saying hey you're when you're on the defense you're not like you're not at risk being like spammed in the corner like you 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 have a chance to fight back or if you're offensive you have to still be aware of the fact that your opponent could easily parry you and suddenly now you're on the receiving end of a combo like that is what makes third strike so rewarding even to today like to almost almost 25 years you know after the fact this game can still be like picked apart and learned like it there it, it's like I, I i can't really speak to the mechanical depth that is present in this game as someone who's still relatively new to it but it is so just like it's embodying the essence of like older games where it's like it's not about like holding your hand and making sure that you don't step on the mouse trap it's like it's like third strike is like pushing you into the pool like the dad would 
It's like you better learn how to swim. Oh, oh the the without realizing it, the game does kind of go. Oh, are you coming from a fighting game that has a ring out? Oh, you poor thing. Like it, <laughs> it is. It, it's it's. It kind of reminds me of learning how to play Dwarf Fortress. Like, there's no manual. You're going to lose. It's going to happen. You just have to... All right, so your first objective, don't let them, like, perfect you. <laughs> then you got to learn how to... Right, it's this... But in spite of this uphill battle that all people must face when learning how to play a fighting game, uh, not only does every character in Street Fighter Third Strike have their own unique system and some, uh, uh, like... um like moves that are unique to them and only them, which then make certain conditions happen in combat that only happen because of that character. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, like I'd mentioned before, like, you know, when the, when street fighter, the, the first one, all right, the street fighter three, the first one, they introduced uh, characters getting turned around uh, mm -hmm. from certain. Attempts. So if you play as Alex, for example, um, he has a, a super where he just like does a combo of power bombs and then a jumping power bomb. If mm -hmm. your opponent back to you, you do the same thing with German suplexes and it does more damage. Like the, this, it's not just for show. This changes everything, you know? Yeah. So, uh, just to like, you know, beat the dead horse of parrying, uh, if I may real quickly, <laughs> uh, no, because like, because you mentioned like the mechanics of the game. Like, I have a prepared statement. All right, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, lend me lend me your ears. You see, character differences affect whether strikes can successfully be parried, and thus affect player choices in deciding to parry. You see, when you strip away the cosmetics, a character in any fighting game is really simply a set of moves and like a target. Like, obviously, mm -hmm. human being a bigger target than Ibuki, right? Mm -hmm. However, um, more precisely, they are a set of animations or properties interpreted by the human player as it moves with, uh, with specific functions, okay? And, and it's a set of animations interpreted by this player as opposed to AI that has no idea, and it's just a preset route, all right? So there's always the variable of the unknown when you're dealing with a human player, no matter if they're fucking garbage or they're the king of the arcade, right? Like this, which sort of makes fighting game this beautiful thing that can't be replicated elsewhere other than like V1 uh, digital cockfights, but with like six buttons and a joystick. Um, so uh, the shape of the character, you know, the sprite, gives players a reference for their determinations of the range of a move and a reference of when to defend and to attack and what to defend and what to attack. Not all move sets are created equal because some sets have higher priority, different properties, and range. Interestingly, the sprite often determines how players react to using a character at first glance. That is, for example... They expect a large sprite like Hugo to be slow and a small one like Ibuki to be fast. But yes. there is nothing from a programming perspective that forbids Hugo to be fast. <laughs> it is these that make up the uniqueness of each character. Like Hugo is, of course, the slowest walking character and like, you know, like the largest character in the game. 
but he can easily spam like seven jabs from a crouching position. Like his attacks aren't like, you know what I mean? Like it's not from a programming perspective. There's that weird layer on top Mm -hmm. of the game. So clearly then given these examples, our assumptions uh, of like, you know, like to circle back to parrying for offensive reasons, always making an opening, all moves, like all moves that are not throws can be parried with few exceptions. Okay. And thus all characters are not equal. And assumptions within this can be totally violated by just parries, all right? But it's a two-way street because you know what? You can't parry a throw. Like, it's not some infallible, you know, end-all, be-all skill that, you know, if you're good at this, you could beat anyone. Nope. And we're still just talking about the proper mechanics of this game. Uh there's a what's it called the um the the kare cancel that was unintended by the programmers but you could do horrific juggling shit uh outside the <laughs> meant parameters of this game and guess mm-hmm. what if you tournament it's it's fair game it's yeah. not <laughs> right so uh with throws okay um like you can't block a throw you can't parry a throw but what made throwing kind of uh, like unique in Street Fighter Third Strike, all right, is uh, once upon a time, you used to have to throw people by getting really close to them and then like holding forward. And then you either press fierce or roundhouse, right? Mm-hmm. However, Capcom redid the throw engine by making it where you have to press both like jab and short while you hold the joystick towards your opponent. Sometimes you had a different throw if you didn't hold the joystick, all right? Um, in fact, uh, like a few characters have three throws, actually. So uh, back to the Kare cancel real quickly. Like, this is the shit that was not like, all right, hear me out, hear me out, all right? So like, like the fucking Street Fighter Rainbow Edition, there's like a weird like uh, call and uh, response, you see? Like, check this out. Um, the people who game tested Street Fighter Third Strike did not realize that there was a window in this game and where, like, let's say, for example, um, like, you press uh, jab or short, and then right before the move unfolds, you, like, you know, like, let's say you press jab, right before the move unfolds, you press kick. Thus, as the jab was in motion, you pressed kick, and now that triggers the throw. Like, the space you just gained and the reach you just gained from that jab is now extra onto this throw. Uh, now, obviously, if you do it with a kick, depending on the character you are, you have even more reach, right? Because, you know, legs are longer than arms. So, with a character like Hugo or a character like Q, with their very long limbs and their very long reach, you could do horrible things with Hare cancels. However, um, the best example of this is using this mechanism to do two dragon punches when you're can. It's a difficult thing to pull off. This was not meant to be. But Capcom, in their infinite wisdom, was like, that's really dope. Fair mm-hmm. game. game. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off there. 
no, no, no. I just like I, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I, I let the record state this is a very intricate game. I came with notes. Yeah, I mean, there. Third strike is like the epitome of like little bits of parts, like you said, like a little bit of a happy accident, but also at the same time, like proper thought and care has went into every bit of this game from mechanics to art style to music to flair to everything. I mean, even down to like having the announcer like having like have a character in of him, in of himself like i don't know about you per se but like even though like uh i believe alpha 3 beat uh third strike to the punch when it comes to announcer when i think of street fighter announcers i think of infinite doing all of his like little chips you know chirps and stuff is like yeah that makes sense you know, all oh, right, that's cool. Like it add, it, it it adds more care. It adds another layer to this like game's like brilliance. His it, his his contribution to the character select screen is like branded into the side of my brain like cattle. It, it it's what a. There are few things I will gladly let play on loop. And the character select screen music is one of them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, it, it's like um, a lot of these like late '90s games, like they feel there's like a special sauce to them where it's not just the act of playing them feels just like good. Like there's like a aura that surrounds them and. I know you jokingly said pre 9-11, but there's a lot of games pre 9-11 where they just hit different from everything what they yeah, what they when they put in there. Like I mentioned this on my Sonic episode. Uh, Zach and I mentioned how like you know Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 have this like aura of pre-9-11 that has like a sense of joy and optimism and Third Strike is not necessarily like, you know, you know, G. Willikers, like all that stuff about the future, but like by it existing before 2000, you know, September 2001, it feels like more hopeful about what could happen for the future. And in a way, how Street Fighter's trajectory happened post this game kind of reflects it. Like, even though this game is beloved by so many people and revered so highly, there was this, you know, period where Street Fighter kind of faded away, and it's like kind of like this game kind of like its mystique and myth kind of grew and grew and grew and grew. Like people started to like realize, like having to get over an emotion, you know, that moment in history in 2001, per se, like, weirdly enough, like, like, there was just this valley, and Street Fighter had to, like, had to build itself back up in a weird way, and Third Strike is just, like, waiting there, it's like, I'm here, you guys didn't, like, appreciate me then, I'm open for newcomers to a like sort of thing, I don't know if I'm making sense, per se, but... 
There oh, is, no. There, there is like a truly beautiful thing about this game's existence. Like every and I think to some people, like they might be thinking, like, why are you talking about a fighting game? Like a fighting game on on paper isn't like something akin to like an RPG or like a cinematic game like a Max Payne or uh, yeah, Both like computers require that certain level of reflexes in some ways, you know. Mm-hmm. But even then, like, um, you know, the the, the like uh, fighting games, uh, the reason they are what they are is because of the like, dare I say, the community, like, because it, it, it uh, why did time have to pass? for people to realize the people who had still been playing street fighter third strike were right all along. Like this really is the greatest fighting game of all time. Like, sorry. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it all feeds back to cockroaches. <laughs> like, <laughs> but like, I, I, it's, Gaming to me is like a story of it's like many small stories coming together to make like a bigger story. And Third Strike's story is so fascinating to me. How it came out of like a bunch of newcomers making the game and struggling. I mean, this the original version of Street Fighter 3 New Generation took four years to make. It was not supposed to be a Street Fighter game. It didn't even have Ryu and Ken in it at the start. It had quirks and eccentricities. It was a financial flop and all this stuff. But with refinement, with additions, you know, all this stuff, suddenly, like Street Fighter 3, as we know it, Third Strike, you know, when you say Street Fighter 3, you more or less are meaning Third Strike. You know, we, we now have like this magical, like, all-encompassing Kino work of art. It it took them three tries, but it, it you know uh, they finally decided to get Chun Li on board. Yeah, <laughs> like, not a bit. even bat a thousand. All right, like let the record stay. Um, mm-hmm. Because you know, not not, not to poo poo on uh, next gen and second impact, but like Street Fighter Third Strike is synonymous with Street Fighter Three. You know, um, so, you know, it, it is a little strange how uh, not to come off like some sort of like fancy pants culture critic, but it's sort of like when people sleep on a novel or on a movie and time passes. And like, number one, this gradual realization like validates the people who were like who stuck with it when it first came out and then second of all it's like uh this gradual realization almost always ends up cementing it uh like in its field like you know not to beat a dead horse here and i don't want to put off by bringing up cormac mccarthy but like he because some people have weird tastes and shitty takes in literature and deal with it he's a great american author he wrote Blood Meridian, and guess what? When it came out, no one kind of really gave a shit. Like, 20-something years went by, and everyone's like, this is the greatest thing in the history of anything ever. Fucking ever. <laughs> All right? Yeah. 
I'm not saying that's what happened with Street Fighter 3 because like a community was built around it in real time as it existed, okay? And in fact, like, you know, there are tournaments for that game in Japan. And like sometimes they're like, you know, not clans, but like, you know, the, like there's groups and they, they have like, you know, like uh, they, there's this like, like if this were an MMO, you'd call them a guild, right? Yes. And if FPS, you'd call them a clan. I don't know what you call them, but like, you know, like in groups of four, usually, right? And then like, there's one group and they all dress like Q with varying degrees of success and they all play as Q. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, like, I think this, it, it, Third Strike's existence feeds back to what we were talking about in the first half of the show. It's Street Fighter's branded loyalty even for something like that was so maligned at its start like they will not let their baby die per se it is no like they will let this golden child rise to the rise to the mountaintop and you know be anointed king of all the franchise and i don't know i mean it's something I hope that, like, I, I rarely do you get to see franchises do this with itself. Like, where sort of later on, a sort of misunderstood entry finally gets its flowers, so to say. And all I can say is that I'm grateful because now, now we're going into the newest Street Fighter, and it's just like, wow, this is looks like it's literally. On many levels, it's a sequel to Third Strike. You know, the story a, the story takes place after Third Strike. It has parries. It has mechanical complexity, like all the stuff that we can appreciate about Third Strike. And it's just like, wow, it took you nearly 25 years to do this. Like, what took you so long? Like, your template was here waiting for you. I'm glad you finally caught up with the rest of the class. It, it it took him three tries to get Chun Li on board again. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Capcom, you know they might be very pretty cool, but they have to like they have to they have to take their punches and their kicks sometimes to like finally get it in. Hey, three tries after three fighter third strike per se. We got four, five, and now six. It's the third try at a th you know with a. Th Street Fighter with 3D character models. Hey, <laughs> the rule <Yeah>. of threes. <laughs> Get Capcom, inadvertent mathematicians. <laughs> <laughs> By Chun Li's thighs and the number three. <laughs> but, um, in closing, I mean, is there any other final words you would like to say about Third Strike, Haynes? I think we covered a lot. Tonight. Well, uh, I would like to, uh, uh, I would like to just discuss uh, Daigo just for a moment, if you don't mind. Oh, oh please, no. He he deserves more time than I think we possibly so, could have. Okay, so I don't mean to uh, fucking storyboard you through everything, but uh, you see, uh, I recommend everyone listening just go watch Evo Moment Thirty Seven. I, there's nothing uh, neither of us could say that will do this thing justice. Mm -hmm. And even 
The Wikipedia article, it unironically says, some people compare this to when Babe Ruth pointed and hit a home run there or the miracle on ice. All Uh, right. (laughs) Now, um, it should be noted that, you know, kind of like when we deal with people online, it's very easy to forget that behind every account is a person with few exceptions, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So behind, you know, for example, Bruce Lee, he was a real person. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, General Patton, that dude was a real person too. Okay. So Daigo Umehara, all right, is not only a real person, but realistically speaking, you know, in, in no, uh, you know, offensive term or anything, but in its most simplest form, he's just a dude. Mm hmm. Uh, puts on his pants one leg at a time like everyone else. Mm-hmm. So this uh just to give you and the ladies and jerks listening uh, a quick rundown of this hero of heroes, all right? Because he was entered into the Guinness Book of World Records in 2010 as the most successful street fighter player in history. I believe he was the first pro gamer like ever, if memory mm-hmm. serves me. I think so too. Uh, all right, so um, courtesy of The Will to Keep Winning by Daigo Umehara. So he got into video games because uh, he has an older sister by seven years. And um, uh, he, he looked up to her and uh, she played Nintendo and that was his introduction and like life was just never the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really close with his family and uh, um, that's very charming and, and, and lovely because by his own admission, he works 363 days a year. He spends New Year's Eve and New Year's Day with his family. True story. So uh, he didn't enroll in sports or clubs as a kid, partially because he had a very understanding father because his father was really good at like mahjong, uh, dancing, billiards and all this other shit. And uh, Daigo's grandpa was like, get a fucking job. So when Daigo expressed that he just wanted to play video games, um, his father was uh, unusually understanding and told him, make sure to get some exercise. It's not good to stay indoors all day, all right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Daigo, by his own admission, he set out so people would be forced to recognize his skill, tenacity, because he practiced every day. According to legend, he racked up like 268 consecutive wins in a row in Darkstalkers or Darkstalkers 3 at the Akibara. And the only reason he stopped is because they were like, we're closing the arcade. We, we have to unplug this thing. <laughs> um, so uh, he became the first national champion of Darkstalkers 3. And he said something to the effect of that, like, you know, uh, he liked Darkstalkers and Darkstalkers 2. And it was a new system, which meant new moves and new priority and new mechanics. And he said that while knowledge of earlier games helped, Relearning the game was the scariest and most exciting part of it. All right. So in 1998, uh, the at the San Francisco, um, where was it? It wasn't the Polytechnic Institute. I forget where, but it was the Street Fighter Alpha 3 World Championship in San Francisco. He was only in high school, and he had to take off of a, he had to like get a handwritten note from his mom to be like, you know, Daigo has to beat the American champ in this video game. <laughs> And then he had to go get his passport in order. He had never left the country. 
imagine the first time you leave the country, you're not even legally old enough to like smoke, vote or buy alcohol or drive. And now you got to go beat the United States world champion <laughs> and street fighter <laughs> And then you do, and you fucking rock him. <laughs> and, and, and you know, a foreshadow to Evo Moment 37, he was reduced to one round away. And then, quote, my senses focused, and I now waited for the game to come to me instead of playing the champions game, end quote. Mm -hmm. Okay? He was also concerned of being embarrassed by being the Japanese champion and losing to the U.S. champion because everyone back home assumed he'd win. You know? Mm -hmm. uh, very seriously over there. So, uh, by his own admission, uh, if he had lost there or at Evo, he said he'd have no idea where he'd be today. So uh, he feels that you know he tried to put enough effort into something he was proud of and what separates him from his competitors. Hard work. You see, he never saw himself as naturally gifted. He just said he saw such talent and went up against such talent, but he just worked harder than anyone else. Mm -hmm. All right. Not mine. It's important to understand that this was an era where there were no pro gamers and he was, by his own admission, never certain that he was even doing the right thing. So after Evo and all the tourneys and the hype and the praise, he had no motivation, kind of, sort of, uh, you know, like and, and in his book, he recalls that, you know, he was reminded of his childhood and where like in high school and in child like, you know, uh, primary school. They would ask, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he would say explorer and everyone would laugh. All right. So in a weird roundabout way, uh, he was kind of exploring here. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. He didn't allude and gloat like that. I'm just gloating for him because he's a fucking national hero in that country. He's a hmm. This man is a real person. I'd like to remind you. He comes from a human background like either one of us. All right or anyone listening, including fourth dimensional beings. He probably beat you too in fucking Street Fighter uh, Third Strike, right? So, uh, he hung it all up and then just uh, learned to play Mahjong for three years. And uh, he got really good. And in the book, he goes into detail about, like, you know, the theory and the strategy behind Mahjong. And then he also said something to the effect of how, like, it was the players that played off of intuition and intensity that uh, tended to fare better than others who understood theory but uh, focused on winning as opposed to, like, you know, um, like uh, utilizing what you know as opposed to just winning as a goal. That's something he returns to in the book from time to time. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Street Fighter Four comes out, and uh, he hadn't touched uh, arcade games in, like, forever. And then, like, he's kicking people's asses in Street Fighter 4. And then, like, you know, the, 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 the best of the best from, like, arcades from elsewhere show up. And there's, like, a dozen of them. And they're like, yo, Daigo's back. And then they, they, they oh, no, it's Daigo's like, hey, guys. And then they all put up their fucking uh, tokens up on the screen to indicate the order in which they will be facing Daigo as if they are cage fighters who are dojo storming an opponent's dojo. All right. And he beats 10 of them. He hadn't played this game for like a few days. He's only played this game for a few days, all right? And here come like the best of the best in like the local areas. And out of 12, 10 of them are sent home like I, I, I'm uh, going to try not to kill myself on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and by his own admission, again, it was hard work. I mean, granted, he does break down like, you know, theory, practice. Uh, I can't recommend this book enough. Like if, you know, uh, 
um, it's and you could find it, uh, you know, um, outside of fighting game of tournaments where it was once exclusively sold, which is mm-hmm. kind of wild. While you could only find this at like fighting game ordeals, and it wasn't translated into English until like 2016. So, uh, the point is, uh, Daigo Umehara. Uh, who is forever buried in the foundation of fighting games and the achievement of human history. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, he's just a dude. I mean, he's a, he's a, a he is a, a man of incredible skill and testament to hard work and focus. And it's the best way to put this applying yourself. All right. And, you know, I'm oh, sorry. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll shut the hell up in just one moment. <laughs> right. No, no, no. I was going to say is that I think it's very fitting for a game like Third Strike to sort of build the mythology and legend of Daigo. If the, Daigo and, and Third Strike feel very connected in their sort of presence in history. Oh, because... Again, it's the community. It's the it's it's ah. It's the community, but also like Third Strike is a game that re- that rewards time and effort, much like how Daigo lives his life. It's about the little things in life and all that sort of stuff. And I think Third Strike and Daigo are like one in one in each other, and I highly recommend everyone read his book. Uh, I highly recommend everyone watch Evo thir- moment Evo moment thirty seven, just to get a broader picture of like what this means, not just for a game, but for just people who love this type of game. Because you know, for the for the record, this gentleman uh, gives lectures like businesses seek him out for like business strategies and shit. Like he's written books and he, the man is a, a sort of weird inadvertent i don't want to call him a fucking polymath here but like clearly the guy knows what the fuck he's doing uh, mm-hmm. but he's he's not this like inaccessible larger than life the dude still rides his bike one hour every way to and from akibata <laughs> yeah i mean like he's just cool like in a simple way that's not flashy or anything unique he's just like the he is the definition of like I want to like aspire to be like him. I I I think the story of Daigo Umehara is almost like sexy in its unglamorousness. Like it really, because because you see like the the bittersweet irony of it all is that like if memory serves me correctly, like the the Evo moment thirty seven was not the finals. Uh, no, Daigo- it wasn't met in the finals of the losers bracket and then Daigo does that and even though Daigo lost in the finals it that did it almost as if that didn't matter anymore exactly like, his his legend had already been crafted like it's he and he did not coast on this one impossible feat like he had his ups and downs much like Capcom uh dare I say yeah but he 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 persisted and much like alex saying you can't escape like he practices what he preaches he actually did do what he said he was going to do like holy shit like mm-hmm. that's uh, that that's not a success story that's a fucking parable 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, Third Strike, Daigo, Capcom, it's all one giant in- interconnected story. And I think, you know, I would like to thank you, Haynes, for joining me one one sec- a second time on this season. This has been an absolute treat, just like the first time. Oh well, it's 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 my pleasure. I appreciate you having me again. I had a blast the first time. This was just delightful. And yeah. and, and remember, ladies and jerks, okay? Here at the third place, you too can find out about human <laughs> discovery. Looking within for answers, as stated in the Book of Five Rings by Miyamoto Musashi. All right, mm-hmm. and 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 we and we point to you, uh, and say you too can watch Evo Moment number thirty-seven <laughs> and happen in real time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. If you and you can supplement that by obviously getting yourself a copy of Cars and Women magazine. Keeping in touch with Queen's Trash, all that good stuff. But other than that, I think that is where we will stop the recording.